0: Let's stand for the reading of the word of God. We're in Nehemiah chapter 2. Our time is off, so excuse us. Um, But the time is off, and so um, we'll be finished at some point, all right? So it's just one of those days. You know how it is. It's just one of those days. We'll finish at some point. Um, And then what we're going to do, you know what? We're going to push the prayer walk to like a little bit later. I'll give you a time once we know what time we finish. And then we're going to meet right in the basement. I'm going to give you kind of like some discussion. Matter of fact, we just meet here. And then from here, we'll, we'll, we'll get ready to head on out. All right? All right, all right. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses, I mean 2, chap- verses 1 through 8. Chapter 2, 1 through 8. It says, for in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxer- King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of, of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to king, the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to him, okay. What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, and the queen sitting beside him, How long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the king, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city. And for the house of the Lord that I shall op- occupy. And the king granted me what I asked for the good hand. Say good hand of my God was upon me. You may be seated. You may be seated. Amen. Somebody. Amen. Uh, the the um um interesting part of this series is I just see so many correlations with when we went through Ephesians, uh, I just see so, so, so much rich information here uh, that the God of heaven um, just been connecting dots. Pastor Nyron, it's just been crazy, man. And um, being in this this series, we're talking about rebuilt to build. Again, rebuilt to build. So 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 one of the things we're talking about is how God's people are being developed by the living God to represent his reign on planet earth. That's what we are talking about. And so and so and so today we, we are entering into a sub-subject matter within that series framework. Um they really tried to talk about dreaming, if you will. Um, um dreaming, if you will. Ha, 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 what, what, what can happen when God gets a hold of your mind and you dream for his glory? Uh, um, um, uh, um, um in, in a way that is so sanctifying in a way that's so rich in a, in a, in a way that that, that that works in concert with all of his divine purposes working on planet earth and, and, and so and so today we're going to enter into a discussion because every one of you guys are on a journey somewhere and every one of you fifty percent of y'all in here maybe a third a third of you guys maybe are college students. Some of you are, are in business profession, some of you all are blue collar, some of y'all are hourly workers, some of y'all are salary workers, some of y'all got no collar. Amen. but 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 all of these places in your life, no matter where you find yourself, you are on a journey with God through Jesus Christ. And in light of you being on that journey, you you need to be recognizing that God has you there for a particular purpose, say purpose. And see, when you recognize that where you are is not by accident, it changes the way you view yourself being there. As a matter of fact, you can like being there or you cannot like being there. But one of the things you can't do is forget the fact that God has you there. And so in this passage, you see that Nehemiah has possibly been castrated and he is a eunuch and he is the cupbearer to the king and he is brokenhearted about the fact that um Jerusalem walls have been broken down, and with the Jerusalem walls, it's like a draft just going like a Costco right here just hit me. It just kind of hit me Now I'm good. I don't know how the y'all on that corner doing right there though um but but that draft just hit me, but 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 it's interesting because he 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 was brokenhearted about the state of God's people and the context that God had called the people to uh, um that's what needs to break our hearts again. Uh, the, the state of whether or not the people of God are positioned and postured, uh, uh, and, and healthy from the inside out, and are where God wants them to be in executing God's will, and, 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 and so today I, I want to talk about a, a L word, and it's, it's not love. For instance, it will come out of love, but it, but 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 I, but I want to talk about the word leverage. Say leverage. Say it one more time. Leverage. This is very important for us to understand because that's what we're going to talk about in this passage today. I see great exegetical principles in it. I want to talk about for a little while today, rebuilt through a leveraged life. Rebuilt through a leveraged life. I got three or four points, maybe. I think three. I forgot, but we'll get to them as we walk through the text. Um, Three points to kind of highlight This And then we'll see Jesus in here and principles that he taught during his incarnational work on planet Earth that will kind of give us um, some beautiful cross-centered principles to work with as we are rebuilt through a leveraged life. So that brings us to number one, point one. If you're going to be rebuilt through a leveraged life, the first thing you're going to recognize is you're going to have to walk in divine courage. You're going to have to walk in divine courage. Look at look at verse 1 and 2. It says, in the month of Nisan, Nisan, I'm sorry, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, you got to understand what's going on in this passage, right? Um, because in, in the year of, in, in, in this particular month of time, the Persians had their season, they had their version of Mardi Gras. Okay? So Mardi Gras was happening in the king's room. So it was, I mean, it was liquor everywhere. Cats getting nice, Ciroc everywhere. Coco Loso, you know what I'm saying? Black and Stormy's, you know what I'm saying? Rum and Coke, 51-year-old Scotch, and wine was everywhere. You know what I'm saying? So, so they up in there. Stop laughing, Joe. Stop laughing. Um, so, so so, so, everything was everywhere. And then there were there were honeys every single place. Some of y'all saw 300. That was it. That was a scaled-down version of what Nehemiah was dealing with. It was toplessness everywhere. Dancing on the Runa King. Y'all so crazy. But they had dancing. People playing and doing that thing, man. You know how they're doing with them little things on their hand and going like this and belly rolling and all that kind of carrying on. So this was a festive time. Cass was up in there getting nice. Right? But but, But check this out. Nehemiah, a Jew, is the cupbearer to the king. So he got to make sure that the bartender keeps giving. He's basically a bartender, if you will. And he had to make sure, trying to break it down for the day's language, so what he's trying to do is he got to make sure that the king's cup is full. In other words, he, got, he helped the king get nice. You want some more, king? You want some more, king? You want some more, king? So he's standing there. Now in the midst of all of this, now I don't know about you, but if I was wilding out and I was out there, I'd have been enjoying myself, right? But it's interesting. Nehemiah wasn't enjoying himself. He wasn't able to take partake of the festivities like everyone else was. first off, he was at work. But number two, um, he, he was he was he was in a place of of disgruntledness with where God's people were, and so in he had free activity to enjoy the king's court. But he saw his place in the, in the king's court as bigger than self enjoyment. He saw it as bigger than being the right-hand man of Artaxerxes. He, he saw himself as a missiological figure placed in a particular purpose and season and time where he was to the glory of God. Let me tell you something, people of God. Don't you ever forget about where God has put you. When, if God gives you exaltation, don't worship your exaltation and build your life around trying to keep yourself in that place. Because what happens is, is when you build your life around wanting to be kept in that place, you will begin to live substandard spiritual living. But I came here to tell you today that wherever you go in and wherever you are, God has placed you there for him. And don't you, you have to always, you have to always have on your mind. That's why I, that's why whenever God does any little exaltational work in my life, I'm prayerful. I'm prayerful because I'm like, God, in what you're doing, I want to make sure that I know that's what you're doing. And it's not just my gift. It's not just my flossing. It's not just coolness. It's not just talent. But it's purpose for the reason why you place me where you placed me. And, God, I want to be in a place where I never forget why you have me here. And so Nehemiah in this passage is in a place where he's like, God, I, I I recognize that you have me here for a purpose. So I'm shook. I'm, I mean, this is fine here. They partying and wilding, but right now I'm I, I'm not even concerned about this. I see honeys in front of me, chicks coming up to me, offering. Like, I don't care about that. What I'm here for is something bigger. And he's and 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 he's and he's trying to figure out. He's been praying for four months at this point, and he's been fasting on and off because you can't fast for four months. But he was fasting on and off. Try it. Don't fast four months. Forty days, that's it. Stop it. Um, After that, it's a hunger strike. It ain't a fast. All right? (laughs) Hunger strikes don't work in a kingdom. But, 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 But so he was on and off for these four months. And if you could imagine what these four months were like, him coming before him and having a broken heart for what God's representation looked like. See, no matter where God takes you, you should have a heart for his kingdom. Because if you don't have a heart for his kingdom, sometimes he won't exalt you or he'll remove you because you refuse to represent him because you only want to represent yourself. And so, and so, and so, and so now we see him Him beginning to, to leverage it by saying he was, of course, the, the, the cupbearer, pointing back to his prayer at the end of chapter 1 where he says, grant him, him mercy or me mercy in the sight of this man. He says, now nah, I was the cupbearer. To the king, We saw another figure in the Old Testament who utilized his role to the glory of God, a.k.a. Jesus Christ. And, 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 um, and, and about Genesis chapter 45, verses 5 and 8, when, 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 when Joseph came before his brothers and he revealed himself. And when he revealed himself, he said, don't be mad at yourself. He said, I don't want you to be mad because the, I was sent here by God. The reason why I was sent here by God was a bigger purpose than me being almost Pharaoh of Egypt, having a nice crib, kids, and all that type of stuff. I was sent here to preserve you. Now, the question is, who are the people that he was preserving? I'm glad you asked. He, 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 he was preserving the sons of Israel. And who are the sons of Israel? Those 12 tribes of Israel and through which Judah would ultimately birth forth the Christ. So God had put Joseph up for a bigger kingdom matter at hand, that his kingdom position was set up to make sure that the lineage of Jesus Christ came forth. Now, God could have done it any other way, but it's interesting. He wants to use us to do that. And so so, so here we see Nehemiah in 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 a similar position here, and he's before the king. He got the wine before the king, and he says, Now I had not been sad in his presence. This is crazy. Because because you don't come before the king, you don't come before the king like like, like come before the king like you come before some of your bosses. Some of some. And just throw stuff at them. Do that. <laughs> your head gets chopped right off in front of everybody. Hold up, hold the party up, everybody stop. And then they say, tick, tick, and then they cut it off. Ooh, that looks bad. Go back to party, and then they go on <laughs> party again. That's how it was back then. So he was in the king's presence, um, sad, and you wouldn't do that. And matter of fact, it was so bad back then. What commentator said breath was so bad back then. Seriously. It's in the commentary. The people would hold their mouth before they go before the king. How you doing, king? And they hold their mouths Because you, you would, and you would, but you'd be smiling, and your eyes would be bright, even though your breath is kicking. You had to make sure that you didn't offend the king, because your breath could have offended the king, and he would have killed you. You're like, oh, your breath's, oh, kill him. Kill him. Kill him. Pull out his teeth and kill him, right? You know what I'm saying? So, 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 so so back then this was, this would have been, this would have been, so he comes into the king's presence, risking his life, not enjoying his position because of the posture of the kingdom. See, when, when the kingdom is your passion, no matter what your position is, you're broken for it. And Nehemiah goes down and he's like, man, he said, I'm going to make sure that I leverage this opportunity. That I have before the king. And so that brings us to our second point. Um, know how to wisely interact with lost people. See, if you're gonna be rebuilt to build, you gotta learn how to wisely interact with lost people. Now, y'all, going I'm telling you, you're gonna get rocked off the intricacies of how he was contextualizing the information that he was sharing with Artaxerxes. It's monstrous what he was doing, right? Check out what he's doing. He says, He says says to him, he says, "Um, why is your face sad? And there is. he says, there's nothing but sadness of heart. Then he says, then I was much afraid. So he was shook right here because he knew what might happen. He said, I said to the king, let the king live forever. That's when he sounded real nice right there. Then he said, why should not my face be sad, though, when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruin? And its gates have been destroyed by fire. That's interesting because here he uses little bits of terminology that, that Jesus will talk with. I'll talk to you about how Jesus tells the sons of light to operate. But, but here he doesn't, first off, he doesn't mention the word Jerusalem. Now, that's interesting because in Ezra chapter 7, verses 24, 23 to 24, Artaxerxes ordered with force. The ending of the building up of Jerusalem and the temple because the people lied and said that they were rebelling against God. And so Nehemiah knew that Artaxerxes remembered that. But what was so dope is Artaxerxes. I mean, uh, Nehemiah had a great rep, He had a great reputation with Artaxerxes. That's number one. And number two, he used his words wisely. Now, secondly, he used his words wisely. He said, "The place of my fathers." He didn't say Jerusalem, because he wanted him to connect with the men back then. This was masculine talk. This was two men talking over cigar type talk right here. He said, "You know," um, he says, "You know, let me let me let me let me tell you something. My, my fathers." Houses, the graves are all jacked up and da-da-da-da-da. He's like, yeah, I can understand that. that. Because back then, legacy of family was very, 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 very important. So Artaxerxes would have been like, dang, I can't imagine what that would have been like. In the city where their graves are, you would want it to look nice because all people on, depended on according to the flesh was that. So that was like him contextualizing the information to Art Artaxerxes. Now, 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 now he goes after that, and then he says, and it's been in ruins and it's been destroyed by fire. This is good, because what he does is he uses wisdom. Say wisdom. See, many of us, we engage non-believers to please Christians, not to reach lost people. See, see, many of us, like, like, uh, uh, we, many of us, what, what was interesting enough is, is we want to make sure that Christians high five us how we bust somebody out. But but here, he, see he could have went, he said, look, I'm a Jew, man. Let me just be real. You know what I'm saying? I'm a Jew. You know, won't eat all this food you got before me. I don't get drunk. I don't look at chicks like that. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, a, I'm a part of the people of God. You know what I'm saying? And the way we roll, he'd have been like, man, first off, the king wouldn't have had to say nothing. He'd have been in pieces, right? But, but he, didn't, he didn't go into a self-righteous rant because kingdom mission was more important than his personal agenda of looking righteous. And see, Christians, you need to learn how to wisely navigate engaging non-Christians. You, 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 need to learn, you need to learn how to do it. And that's why some of y'all, should, y'all, y'all, want, some of y'all want to be business owners. I'm going to start me a Christian business. And then do your business bad. Then it messes up for all Christians, whoever say they're Christians doing the business. But what you should do is you should start a business and be a Christian through the business. And whilst God gives you common ground with lost people, you share the gospel as God opens up the door, but not going through the door with a Holy Ghost back. Like like, uh, one time, uh, your man, what's his name, Benny, Benny, I'm about to say Benny Hanna, Benny Hen. He said, if I had a Holy Ghost bazooka, I would blow all of them up. I was like, I was like, dang. I was like, dang, Benny, you, that's off the chain, man. (laughs) Like, wow. I thought, Man, all that Holy Ghost, I didn't know he had a bazooka, dog. You know what I'm saying? But, 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 but you you see the language in which you do, that's why the Bible says, act with wisdom towards outsiders. Knowing how to season your words with salt. Some of y'all are grimy with your Christianity. And, and, and God wants to give an open door, but God sometimes wants to use the people you're talking to as a means to bless God's kingdom. But you mess it up being a jerk in the way you share it. And so, and so, and so what he's doing is he's not necessarily evangelizing, he's leveraging and so he wants to make sure that he's able to utilize this opportunity in a beautiful way. Jesus says something in John in Luke 16, 8, that's probably my favorite verse on putting me on blast and every one of us as Christians on blast. It, it says, the sons of this world are wise, more shrewd, according to their own kind than the sons of light. Now, what does that verse mean? Now, now this is how we Christologically look at this passage, because we see Jesus talking about an unjust manager, who basically made everybody's bills get cleaned up so that when he finished, when he, when he got fired, they let him live with him. Jesus says, this dude was shrewd, like the, like the manager said. He said, "Why?" Well, he said, I'm not saying he operated rightly, but he used unredemptive shrewdness the way I want you to do, redemptive shrewdness. In other words, I want you to be wise so that you can utilize un- the unrighteous mammon, like he says in the passage, uh, uh, for kingdom good. So, because, because people that don't know Christ use the earth or use resources on planet earth to leverage it for time. But the people of God are supposed to use the resources on earth to leverage it for eternity. And so what we see here is Jesus, a, a Christological principle of Jesus Christ here in the book of Nehemiah. As Nehemiah is saying, I'm going to be shrewd with how I deal with this cat. Because I know where he is in relation to all of these different things. And matter of fact, in this throne room, it was a bunch of gods in here. So he didn't go into all of that at that point, but it was beautiful that he knew how to interact, it was with shrewdness towards Arctic Xerxes. And so, and so and so as he's as he's done this and talked about the place of his fathers, and he's helping him to work through this whole idea of, of, of making sure that he's wise and leveraging it. For the honor of God and the glory of God, then the king, this is what I like that he says next. And then the king said to me, all right, what are you requesting? Like, what you really trying to say? I know you're trying to say something, for real, for real. What you want to say to me? Which brings us to our third point. If you're going to be rebuilt, with a lever- uh, rebuilt through a leveraged life, number three, you're going to have to be intimate in prayer and skilled in planning. Let me say that again. Intimate in prayer and skilled in in planning. Now, as we read the next section of these verses, you will see that he spent time in prayer for those four months very, 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 very strategically on what he was going to do point by point based on the leading of God through him during his prayer time for the kingdom of God. And so he said, I pray to the God of heaven. I like that. There it is again. Now, you're going to see this term all the way through the book of Nehemiah, the God of heaven. And remember last week when we talked about the God of heaven, God of heaven, points to God being sovereign. That means that he has control over everything that is seen and unseen. So so Nehemiah, in going in this situation and engaging Artaxerxes, guess what he recognizes? That there's a king bigger than him. And because he recognizes that there's a king bigger than him, he went in what I call staccato prayer. Staccato prayer. He didn't go into, oh, God and fathers, and start all in front of Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes, what's this? And then he started going into all of that. He didn't do all of that. Now, it's the time for that went. he went into prayer. And I don't know if it was like an awkward period of time while he's standing there. where he's like, Lord, oh, my God, please don't let me get killed, God. <laughs> oh, Lord. And uh, Lord, help us. And we're going to just believe that you're going to help me in this situation. And then uh, I'll enhance hand a whole, whole hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. And then he went forward with what he was saying. <laughs> Because kings were not patient. Oh, one commentator said kings were very impatient people because they deal with so much, and they, like, get to the point, right? So he said, what are you asking? Then he said, so I pray to the God of heaven. And then he said, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king. I like the way he's submissive, vocally submissive. And he says, if 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 your servant, <laughs> he's, he's pouring it on thick, if your servant has found favor, in your sight that you send me to Judah. Now Proverbs 21:1, reason why he prayed was Proverbs 21:1 was the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever it wills. See, see he understood that principle. He understood that this little king of a man, he knew that the King of Kings, the God of heaven, had the work on his heart like a puppet. And he could turn it this way, and he could turn it that way. The the word here literally streams means to to break something out from a big source and turn it into different directions. The word means in the Hebrew, and it's it's beautiful in in this. And God is the one who activates and turns decisions. So in other words, guess what we see? He had a plan. He had a plan. We got to talk about plans for a minute because we are a spontaneous generation. So now we got to learn about some planning. Say plan. Plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One more time for the ghost. Planning. One more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to plan. Proverbs 21, turn there real quick. We're going to get some practical stuff for you. Try to work this theology out a little bit. Now, Proverbs 21 is about that, that whole idea of shrewdness and wisdom. God gives principles for planning. Now, when you're leveraging your life to the glory of God, you have to understand how God works in the planning process. You have to have a framework for how God works in the planning process. There has to be a a a level of shrewdness in activating that. Let's look at verse 1. It says, the plans of the heart belong to a man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. I like that. In other words, humans uh, humans set things in order, plan out what they are going to say, but God sovereignly enables them to put their thoughts into words. So that's what you have to understand. As you begin planning for how you can leverage your life, and every Christian needs to do this, how you can be leveraging your life, you've got to recognize that God the Spirit will lead you in, what, in, in, in ways in which to execute that particular plan for his glory. Of course, plans of the heart means arrangements of the mind. And then it says, "All verse 2, it says, all the ways of man are pure in his own eyes but the Lord weighs his spirit. What what does that mean? That means God takes your plans and put it on one side, then God put his kingdom and put it on the other side. And if those scales balance, this is not for heaven or hell like Islam believes. It's talking about the motive of your heart, right? It's talking about where your heart is in relation to, does your plan connect to the kingdom? If your plan doesn't connect to the kingdom, he going to do like my first year in college English teacher going to do. She's just going to pour ink on the paper. That's what God will do. She just poured ink on my paper. That means she had so much stuff, it was just bleeding. It's bleeding. I thought I was getting saved right there on the paper because she was lighting my paper up. Right? But, but, but But many times, God will divinely edit the plans that you're working on. And that's how you know, no, don't do this, do this. And give you guidance and direction on that. You want God intimately active as your divine editor on your papers spiritually. And so that's what you want him on on your plan. So he's weighing your heart. And what he's weighing is not necessarily the plans. He's actually not editing the paper plans. He's actually editing your heart that will cause the plans to be edited. Why? Because when your heart is changed by being with God, the plans change because your motives devise a plan with God's, with God's work that reflects his kingdom mission. And then when it gets balanced, he said, boom, go ahead forward with those plans. That's what he wants to do in your life. But remember, it's not for you. It's for his what? Glory. It's always for God's glory. It's not to center on you. God-centeredness in our lives, right? And so, and so that's why. But then look at verse 3. He says, commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. That word means to roll. Literally, roll one's burdens. It's a portrait of complete dependence on the Lord. This would be an a, a, accomplished With a spirit of humility, by means of diligent prayer, but the plan must also have God's approval stamp. That's a beautiful thing to be able to experience. And then it says here, in verse 4, the Lord has made everything for his purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. In other words, God is a purpose-driven God. Purpose-driven in his activities. Now, look what he does next. He goes down, and this goes into a threefold subsection of this point. He does three things that he plans. Number one, he plans, he, he, pl- he planned he plan the time, he planned for opposition, and he planned for provision. He planned for time, he planned the opposition, he planned he plan for uh, 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 um, uh, provision. Now, now look in verse, look over here in verse 6. Y'all still tracking with me? He said, and the Lord said to me, the queen sitting beside him, or the empress, he said, "How long will you be gone, and will and when will you return?" He said, "So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time." He knew how to manage time. Now look at this. Check this out. He it was going to take. Now it's nine hundred miles from Susa, which is the capital of Persia, down to Jerusalem. Now, 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 now. What's interesting is that would take nine, that was nine hundred miles. With all the stuff that they were carrying and the caravan, that would take four months to get there, four months to get back. Now he had to give him a time it was going to take for him to go there get the work, and go there, right, and collect what he's going to collect, which you'll see in a second. Once he does that, to actually uh, actually get the work started and finished, and then four months to turn back. So we're looking at probably over a year. So he said, so you're not going to be my cupbearer for a year? Okay, I'll let you do it. Who hold on. Hold on, hold on, think about that. Who gets a year off to take care of religious stuff? Think about that. That got to be God, man. You know what I'm saying? The priesthood, you know, some of y'all trying to go to your boss, but priests in the Old Testament was off for a year once they got married. I'm a part of the priesthood called the body of Christ, so I'm going to need a year off with pay, right? But, but, but this is crazy. Y'all got to, this ain't normal. Y'all got to recognize this, this is some off-the-wall stuff right here. Now, not only does he plan his time, he gets bold. That's when you get courage. That's when you get courage. When you you get courage when you know you're working on God's behalf. Now, now look what he does. Now he asks for time off. That's number one. He ain't had it. Ain't nobody got a year's leave, right? So, so but then he gets bold. He asks for protection. Look at what it says. He says, "Let letters be given to the governors of the province before the river, uh, beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come." Know what's good about his planning? Is he planned for hell to break loose. See, some of y'all don't plan for hell to break loose. See, some of y'all got all these, I want to do this, and y'all got a flower in your head, and you walk around, and you got your hat turned backwards. Ah, it's going to be like this. Listen, it's going to be opposition. And you better plan for it in the Holy Ghost. Listen, he prayed, and one of the things he prayed about, the Holy Spirit probably said to him, it's going to be some crazy people. It's going to be some struggles. And guess what? He's like, well, I, right. I need some letters. So he put he pulled out a letter. Can you write on this? And he had a, he dictated it to a guy, or dictated what he wanted him to write, and the guy wrote it for him, and dipped it in the ink, the feather, and went kaka cow, wrote the journal. Then close it up. Once he closed it up, they heated up some some wax, and it dripped onto the letter. And then, cause we licked, you know, today, you know, they just had the wax on it. Then the king put on his ring, his ring he had on a big bling, like baby, you know, um, you know, baby with cash money. He went like this, cacao, like that, and put the joint on the king seal. Now he had the letter sent, right? Some of y'all, who's cash money? But, uh, <laughs> but, but, but just just keep going with me. Just keep going with me. Um, and so, and so, and so, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, so, and so that when he went through, they wouldn't give him no beef, because, see, when you went through there, cats governors were thugs back then, so, you know what I'm saying, you came through, dudes was like, all right, you can get through, but they're going all in your pockets while you're talking to, smack you and go in your, smack you like that and go in your <laughs> pocket, I'm just being honest, that's what they did, they whooping y'all up, take the women, they was just crazy, so he had to make sure that he had the king's thing with him because he prepared for opposition. As you walk with God, just say, say with me: There will be opposition when I'm seeking to build God's kingdom. You better recognize it. You better recognize. You better. You better make space. So you ain't. Sp- I-, I knew that was gonna happen. That's why. That's why. Guess what Peter said: Do not be surprised by the fiery trial that's happening to you. Because he knew, he said, listen to what they told him in Acts 14. He said, through many trials and tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, people of God have to recognize that stuff going to happen. Matter of fact, and you may be the one that makes something happen. So you got to prepare for you while and now. Because it's not just the enemy. Sometimes the enemy is the enemy. <laughs> You'll get that on the way home. <laughs> But I'm just telling you, so you got to prepare for opposition. Jesus told him, he said, what man goes to build and hasn't prepared? What man goes to war and hasn't counted the cost? That's the cost of discipleship in that context. You got to count the cost of discipleship. There is going to be a loss. When you carry your cross, there will be a loss. And you got to be willing to continue to carry the cross through the loss. You can't punk out when some opposition comes. Don't be see, many of us get happy on the front end of God's calling on our life. But then when we get in the griminess and the grunt of the calling, then now we question this stuff. Now, oh, I don't know now. Nah. You was in worship crying on your knees, running around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I bless you. Hey, hey, now get where that's at now. Where all that's at now? Hey. Somebody's trying to speak a scripture to you, you're about to bust them in their mouth. But you got to expect opposition. You got to. It's the nature, it's the nature of being in a relationship with God through Christ. Jesus said, if they hated me. Now, that's what he said. He said, if they hated me, they're going to hate y'all. Because it's not a cluster y'all look like me. And if you're showing me off, it's going to be some ruggedness. But not only does he expect he planned his time, he planned for opposition. But number three, he planned for provision. Now, he off the chain like a mug right now, right? Listen, now, read the verse. Y'all got to see the comedy in this stuff. There's funny stuff in the Bible. Look at the comedy of this verse right here. He says, and, I mean, he pushing it. Now, he says, he says and let a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest. Wow. You're a wild dude, Nehemiah. Now, first off, y'all got to understand, while I was studying this, I'm like, hold on, hold on. I dropped my pen. I'm going to drop my computer. The king got a forest. Just think about that. This cat bawling like a mug. He got a forest. Not a store, not a woodsmith, a forest. Now, what that means is he had a whole acre, like Montana, acres and 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 acres of land. And he's basically saying, I'm gonna need you to give me some wood from there. Now, guess what he's having to do on the king's expense? The king would have had, not out of Judah's budget, Judah was broke down, Judah ain't had no budget. He asked the king out of his own budget. He says, now nah, I know I'm, you know, I-, I want time off. That's number one. <laughs> number two, I need a reference letter. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, you, you're going, you're like, wow, because I'm going to be taking another job while I'm there. He is. Y'all see later. He's going to be taking another This dude is crazy. But when you trust in God, you're willing to ask for some crazy stuff when you know. Oh, God, I wish I had time. If you know when God is with you, you'll talk crazy. And then guess what he asked? He asked for for resources. He said, oh, it's going to the, but he wasn't asking for him because some of y'all would say, give me that cedar, man. Let's take it around the block where these dudes can buy some. No, that ain't what he did. Guess what he did? He was using it for the temple. He used it for the building of the walls, and he did build them a crib. That was funny. He said, and for a house for me. He told him that. Like, y'all, I mean, hold on. Y'all think I'm playing. Look at the verse, man. Look at the verse. This is crazy. He he said right here, he says, and and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, and that he may give me timber to to, uh, make beams for the gates of the forest. He started with the, the kingdom stuff, right? Then he says, for the wall of the city and for a house that I should occupy. I ain't mad at them, man. <laughs> he asked for him. He said, and then God's going to be mad at them later because in Hezekiah, I mean, I'm about to say Hezekiah chapter 1. Haggai ain't such a thing in the Bible. Haggai chapter 1. Haggai chapter 1. He said, y'all live in panel cribs. So that wood was used for that stuff. So, so you see right now, courage. You got to courageously use your role. Courageous. All they can say is no. Courageously use your role. And believe in God, but you got to be praying first. You can't just say, oh, shoot. I'm high, blessed, and highly favored of the Lord, and you just walk in there with no prayer, no plan. He did that for four months, family. So don't just go up in there and say, I'm just, I'm going to just get rugged with it. Jiggy, I'm just going, I'm just going for mine, for God. Go in prayer first, please, in Jesus' mighty name, right? So he prayed for provision. And it's interesting that at the end of this, as we close, he says, and the king granted me what I asked. Let's stop right there. That's good, ain't it? It's good to know. The king granted. Now, now what I want to add to this is he had the reputation to ask for it. Some of us, if we began starting to try to leverage our lives for the kingdom where we are, we have such bad credibility where we live and dwell that no one would bless the kingdom because of us. But what's beautiful about God, he always doves thing above where you are. And look what he says. He said, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Oh, if I was a clo- if I was gonna close right now, I'd close right there. I'd have Aaron get off vacation and go on the organ real quick. But <laughs> but 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 the good hand of God, somebody say good hand. Yeah, yeah. See, see the good hand of God is the providence of God. And see, the providence of God is God being in the background uh, but deeply interactive as the executive producer of everything that happens on planet Earth. That, that means that everything seen and unseen, God is actively involved. And, and, and he didn't blame it on his gifting. He didn't blame it on his gab. He didn't even blame it on his prayer. He blamed it on God. He said God's good hand was on me. Why? Because he sought God's heart first. See, when you see everybody wants his hand, but they don't want his heart. In order to experience God's hand, you gotta have his heart. You gotta be in, you gotta be in his presence. You gotta be spending time with him. You gotta be getting, you gotta hear hard sayings from him. You gotta repent of sin. And he that's what he did in the first chapter. And what happened was is God put his hand on him. God, God wants to do the same in your life. Jesus experienced the providential hand of God on the cross. Because he said, Elohi, Elohi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So it would seem that God was gone, but, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says something beautiful. It says that God was reconciling the world to himself through Jesus Christ. So God was providentially present even though Jesus was crying out he was gone. Ah, I wish I had some help. Jesus understands the prophet. I don't know all of the mystical happenings there. Psalm 22 seems to say that God turned his back. We don't, I don't know all the, all I know is in some way, shape, or form, he did not sense that God was present, but even in not sensing that God was present, he was active. And many times when you're walking with God and you're trekking for him, you will feel like he's not there. But God wants to tell somebody today, in, in the time where you fell, I'm absent the most. I'm the most providentially present. And so he says, keep moving forward. He says, I want you to keep pushing. He said, you got to keep moving for me. Keep moving for my glory. Stay on your knees and get up off your knees and use your role for me. I'm with you, says the Lord of hosts. And you got to be willing to push forward even when you don't feel him. You just got to know, I know I'm here for a purpose, and you got to do it with tears in your eyes. I remember being in ministry positions, not wanting to go up to the church building, and me and my wife holding hands, crying in the car, but I knew I was where I was supposed to be. I hated that church. I hated the leadership that I was under, but I knew that God had me there for that season. And I cried, and I held hands, and then we did like this, shook it off after we listened to some worship, rolled up up the windows, got out the car, went into church. And did ministry. You gotta be willing to move. forward. You gotta see. See, many times opposition will make you feel like you're not where God wants you to be, but God is saying, "I, I want you to push forward because I'm with you." And 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 he and because what he wants to use the stringency of the opposition so that you so you'll know when he does stuff that it was him. You'll say, it, 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 could, it couldn't have been me because I didn't want to be there. <laughs> I, I didn't want but, to. But because he wants his glory more than he wants my tears to go away. <laughs> he, he's he's going to push. He's going to say, come in, wipe your tears. Mm, I love you, man. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your butt back out there. That's what God does with you. And he's going to keep you there. And he's going to develop you. But remember, it's not for you alone. For His glory, Father, we honor You and we bless You. We thank You for Your gracious provision on behalf of Your people. And so, God, I pray that our lives, that we would learn slowly but surely how to walk in leveraged lives, God. That our lives would be, that our lives would be slingshot, if you will, because of You um, into. Places and roles in life where it's for your glory and your glory alone. And um, Lord, I can't wait to hear the testimonies um, and see the blessing of the ministry that you have strengthened many to stay on and to walk in for his work, for your work, and for your glory. So we just want to walk in biblical hope that you're going to meet us as we go. And Lord God, I pray that as <clears throat> we do ministry through the church and ministry from the church, that God, you would uh, that you would help us, thank you, that you would help us to walk in an empowerment of being prayerfully dependent. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody agree with that? Say Amen. 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 amen.